As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network? One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network? Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that might just be filling your head with garbage. It's Sifpa. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly. We're streaming live most weekends are available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Roar. I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he bows to no one. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. Ahoy. Each week, we'll chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week. If there's a corporate-friendly term for the sacrifice pit, he's in it. It's Robert Buffard, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Woo! Hello. Uh, we are also joined by another special guest. If you're watching the live video show, Andrew's got a little bit of puppers action going on the lap uh, today. Yeah, he, uh, he just... During the the countdown, he just hopped up, and now he's tired. Yeah, he's just he's just sacked out. Look at that little look at that little puppers. Look at that little puppers. Uh, remember, Aaron, this is a uh, audio podcast as well. Uh, we're gonna get into it. I will introduce you to Robert. Uh, you can check out Robert's stuff at sifpop.com. He is editor at sifpop.com. Uh, and uh, thank you, first of all, for doing that. You've been working on the site uh, for a while now. Um, and recently have stepped into yeah. kind of the editor position and uh, kind of keeping things running and going with the best ever challenges that happened there and some different uh, reviews and articles. Um, things are hopping there. Tell us a little bit about uh, your work with Sifpop and kind of what's going on at the site these days. Yeah, so we're doing the typical weekly BECs where our uh, writers always choose. It's the same sort of thing as the BEC on this podcast, except our writers choose their favorite movie and then uh, they write about it, and we put it all together, countdown 10 to 1 with honorable mentions. We've got a few series going on. Like, I I do one. I do one called On the Contrary. We have another one from our writer, Reed, who does 20th, 20th Century Flicks. 
Uh, we have about three other series that are coming soon, um, very soon in the pipeline within the next few weeks nice. or month or so. Uh, and then we always have uh, reviews coming up. Yeah, uh, s- uh, staff writer uh, Shane is pouring out reviews week in and week out, and he's doing such a great job. And it's oh yeah, it's really cool to see the the site hopping in that way, and and appreciate everybody there and the content that comes out there. If you want to check out sifpop dot com, um, please do so uh, because it is uh, a really fun uh, pop culture content place, and uh, and yeah, just kind of a, a nice little addendum to the uh, podcast that you're listening to or watching now. Uh, if you are watching now, happy Thanksgiving, yeah. or Thanksgiving, oh, Aaron. What? Just, yeah, <laughs> we missed the whole year, guys. Sorry. Whoa. Happy uh, Turkey Day. Easter uh, weekend. Uh, if you yeah. are listening to the, yeah, exactly. Uh, if you're listening to this early in the podcast uh um, life cycle. Uh, hope you had a great Easter and it went well. Actually, no matter when you're listening to this, I hope you had a great Easter. I just meant it's probably more reason for you uh, if you're listening to it soon. Gonna be that kind of show, guys. Uh, we are gonna have a good one. Um, so a, a rare Saturday video show on Easter weekend, um, and uh, we're excited to get into it. We've got uh, Godzilla v Kong to get to, uh, as well as Bad Trip. Uh, to review today and of course we'll do a best ever challenge i think we're doing kyle kyle chandler movies for our best ever challenge at least i hope so that's what i prepared for uh and then we are doing of course our buried treasure uh towards the end as well but i'm ready to get into it if you guys are oh let's make it happen captain all right let's talk a little bit about godzilla versus kong we need kong the world needs him Stop what's coming. And this child, she's the only one he'll communicate with. I knew that they had a bond. She had nowhere to go, so I made a promise to protect her. And I think that in some way, Kong did the same. Kong and his protectors undertake a perilous journey to find his true home. Along for the ride is Gia, an orphaned girl who has a unique and powerful bond with the mighty beast. However, they soon find themselves in the path of an enraged Godzilla as he cuts a swath of destruction across the globe. Um, This is, of course, the continuation of the Monsters universe. Well, it's probably shouldn't say the Monsters universe because usually that's people think of like, you know, uh, the mummy and Dracula and that kind of stuff. The Titanverse. The Titanverse, I think, is the better way to, uh, to go with this. And uh, we've been looking forward to this one. You know, we've had the Godzilla movies, we've had the Kong movie, and uh, looking forward to seeing them battle and uh, and get it all up on the big screen. You've got many returning actors uh, playing um, second bananas, so to speak, to the big monsters. Uh, you've got Millie Bobby Brown hanging out, uh, coming back. Kyle Chandler, as previously mentioned, uh, Alexander Skarsgård is uh, one of the major roles in this one. Um, what did you guys think? Did you like it? Love it? Dislike it? Hate it? Or it was just okay? I'm going to the Godzilla expert last. So we'll start with you, Robert. Uh, did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Well, I don't have uh, a huge history with Godzilla or King Kong the way uh, Andrew does. So I'm going to go with... All right, it was okay. uh, Robert with the okay. I'm going to go with mid to high side of liked it. Um, I had a really good time with this. Uh, so I'm going to go with uh, liked it. Andrew, what did you think about uh, Godzilla versus Kong? <laughs> I'm going to go with 
low side of okay. Oh, exciting! I, I I know. I know. No. So this is this is it, it. hurt. It hurts saying that. I'm no, not lie. no, yeah, no. I find it very interesting, and I was very curious your thoughts uh, on this movie. I mean, I would have been anyway, but after I knew that I had enjoyed it. I was like, I wonder if like the serious Godzilla fans, Kong fans, like you know their thoughts on this. Um, but I guess our our uh, pattern is usually to start with the person who liked it most, which I think is me, based on our answers. And so I'll talk a little bit about why I enjoyed this movie, and it really just comes down to the fact that this movie gave me everything I thought it was going to give me. It gave me the big battles. It gave me you know, uh, giant creatures beating on each other's heads in big environments. And it, it did it in a way that I thought was better than we've seen in the previous Godzilla movies specifically. And the previous, and I mean the previous, like this new batch of Godzilla movies. Yeah. In the previous one, it was just, there was a lot of darkness and it would cut away to reactions instead of the actual fight. This one was like, no, we're putting the money into finishing the effects and we're going to show you Titan battles. And man, and I never felt like that that led up for so long that I was bored. Um, and is this a movie that I walk out of and I like want to gather a, a small group together to have deep philosophical questions about, you know, uh, nuclear holocaust or, uh, you know, what it might be, uh, the environmental message, you know, from Kong? No, this is a movie I just watch and I just let that, you know, that part of my brain just enjoy the big spectacle and the big sound. And um, that was another thing, watching it on my home system. Uh, because, by the way, this is still on HBO Max, debuted on HBO Max. It is also at theaters. Uh, I went the HBO Max route. Um, and it was a 4K Dolby Atmos uh, stream. It was a really beautiful stream. And the sound in this is so good. And that lower end, uh, my wife came home from work, I think, while I was watching this and texted me, what is going on down there? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm watching Godzilla versus Kong. She was like, it sounds like there is an earthquake happening downstairs. It's like, yeah, basically there is. That is basically that is basically what's going on. So I, it really is that simple for me. That is why I'm on the high side yeah. of liked it is I just had a really good time. I actually can't wait to watch it again. Like, I'm just really excited to put it up there again and see some of these battles and see some of the little nuances I might have missed in the computer generation and just, you know, different parts of the fights. Um, I will also say there is one other piece. It really is that simple, but there is one other piece that kind of puts me in that liked it category. This really gets the Kong thing, the emotional resonance of that character uh, right for me, I think. There is an element of this big bad beast, but also the empathy of... Of him, you know, missing his home and missing his family and all. I like, I really felt like the heart, the center heart of this movie was Kong. And, uh, and I appreciated that because I think that is, that is the right call. I think he is the heart, um, of these movies. And that goes from the very first King Kong, you know, movie back in the, uh, was it 20s or 30s? Uh, you know, way, way back in 100 years ago. Um, so, so yeah, those are some of my thoughts. Uh, any responses or some of your own thoughts? Uh, Robert, why don't you go next? Yeah, uh, I was under just okay because like you, I was going in. I wasn't expecting anything philosophical or Oscar Beatty or anything like that, obviously, because mm -hmm. it's King Kong and Godzilla. But I don't know. Somehow I still feel like there wasn't an enough of just two giant lizards slash uh, oh, interesting. gorilla fighting. Um, there was still just too much cutting to 
human characters for me, even though it's it's like a weird conundrum in my head because I liked all of the actors and I liked all the performances that they gave. I just wish maybe they had cut out one of the groups. Um, and so either get rid of the Rebecca Hall and Skarsgård group and stick with the Brian Tyree Henry, um, Julian Dennison and Millie Bobby Brown group. But I don't know. Overall, I really enjoyed the the action stuff. I thought, I don't know if this is a spoiler, but Kong gets a weapon at some point, and I thought that was super cool. Um, there's probably three different set pieces between the two titular characters fighting, and they're all really well done and really great. Um, but just for me, it's still just two hours um, when you could cut out maybe 20 minutes and focus just more on the the things fighting and less on the human characters. Um, but I, I do want to say for me, out of the human characters, that Brian Tyree Henry um, and the two kids he, were with, he was with were standouts by far uh i think that whole atlanta crew so donald glover lakeith stanfield and mm-hmm. brian tyree henry they've all been great and everything they've done ever since atlanta and uh they just continue to do more yeah. diverse stuff and him and this one is just a lot of fun and oscar nominated lakeith stanfield uh at this point so yeah. yeah i i agree i i that group of humans was my favorite uh group of humans and there is something you speak to the fact that the humans in these kind of movies are just so pointless. They're just useless. Like they, they really, and whenever you want to have them do something, it comes off as forced because there's just nothing they can do, can really do. Uh, so I, I get that, but I, I didn't think, um, I didn't think there was, I didn't think there was too much human in this. I, I thought there were too much human in some of the previous ones, but this one seemed to focus more on the monsters for me. Um, Andrew, what are some of your thoughts? Robert actually hit on my biggest negative with this movie, and that's I think there are way too many groups of people in this movie. That's probably right. I, I think, think you're right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, if you want to bring in new people, fine, but you don't have to substitute in or add in, I should say, people from other movies as well. Uh, if you're going to bring in all these new people, we don't need Kyle Chandler. We don't need Millie Bobby Brown. You know, get me interested in these new people, or you know, uh, build on the relationships that you've already established with those previous characters. Don't try and throw both of them in at the same time, because what does that do? It takes away from time with uh, villains and trying to establish their motives. Uh, It takes uh, time away from monster fights. Just so many different things in this movie that made me go, I was really wish that you could have... And I may be in the minority in this group. I know in the Titanverse, this is a very common theme of explain more of the hollow earth theory, you know? And we got a lot of stuff with the hollow earth theory. They did a lot of that in this movie. And I was like, thank you. But at the same time, you have all of these characters that you're uh, going back and forth between that. It kind of forces you to think that the movie is more about them when we all know that the movie should be about Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know how you do it though. I don't like, I don't, you have to have the humans there for, you know, a little bit of the exposition. You know, the monsters aren't going to be able to do their own narration. Sure. I'm saying (laughs) you don't need, you don't need so many people. Yeah. You know, either have your original group that you've established in uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, Godzilla, or Kong Skull Island. You don't need to bring in new characters. Or, the other hand of that, get rid of all those original people and then just establish quickly who these new people are. What did you guys uh, What did you guys think of 
the the visual spectacle of it all. Do you think it worked better than the other movies like I did, or was it still? Oh yeah, you still wanted more. No, no. For me, it worked. It worked really well for me. Um, out of all of these these four in this uh, cinematic universe, Kong Skull Island is my favorite, and I still think that one's the best visually, even though he's not fighting Godzilla in that one. But this one made me uh, so grateful compared to Godzilla King of the Monsters, which just yeah. frustrated me to no end because there was so much cutting away, so much stuff just flying in front of the monsters fighting. And yeah. I was like, all I want to do is and see it's always night fight. and it's always raining. And this one didn't do that yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. All I wanted was like these wide shots of the monsters fighting, and we got a lot of that in this one. So yeah. I thought it did. What really about you, job. Andrew? Uh, God, the very first Godzilla is still my favorite uh, out of all of these. Uh, it's it's funny because uh, there's the least amount of uh, Titans in that movie out of every single one of them. It's true, but at the, <laughs> it really is. I think there's like 20 minutes of Godzilla and, and the Mudos, but. This one does a really good job of showing you those big fight scenes at the same time being well lit. I mean, who'd have thunk it? People <laughs> might like that, you know? People might want to uh, see what's going on. Exactly. And some of the uh, the set pieces, the locations for the fight scenes are really, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It really well thought out and unique. They're inventive, you know, they're, right? They're not, yeah, exactly. Now, uh, the way some of those fight scenes are concluded are ridiculous to me. (laughs) Uh, I won't go into spoilers, obviously. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, that's not me. (sighs) Okay, so here's the thing. uh, The people, like so many people, is my biggest negative with this movie. My other negative with this movie is there is a sense of ridiculousness to this movie in particular that exceeds what I was willing to allow hmm. the other movies to do, I guess you could say. Interesting. Like, uh, whether it be uh, the way that the Titans uh, react to certain things, or whether it be physics. There there are some physics ridiculousness in this movie that I hated. Uh, and that's not like there, here's an example. Um, there are scenes like what I love about the other movies is that these Titans move slow because they're so big, you mm-hmm. know, that it's it's a real mm-hmm. physical, you know, thing for them to look like they're moving in slow motion. Like when Kong throws a punch and it and it moves like that, you know, it's not going boom across mm-hmm. the screen really quick. It's because they're so big. But at the same time, there are other scenes where they do move really, really quick. And I'm like. Yeah, but you got to decide which one you want to do. You can't say just because it would look cool. You got to rely on your physics and man, I really wanted to like that. Movie. <laughs> you landed really on did. low side of okay, right? So Yeah, close that's, close to didn't like that's it. That's pretty mediocre, especially for a, a Godzilla movie um that you and wanted I to love. Don't And I don't think that that's mean me being overcritical because I am a fan. Because I think that I, unlike apparently everybody else in the world, I love Godzilla King of the Monsters. I love mm. that movie, and I stick by it, you know? Um, this is the only one out of the four movies that have come out that I am close to saying I didn't like. And after I watched it, I'm like, oh man, everybody's going to be, uh, you know, ragging on this movie, saying that they hate it. And I went online, and a lot of people were like, no, I loved it. It was great. And I'm like, 
do I rewatch this movie <laughs> and try? No, no. This was an honest conversation I had with myself. Do I rewatch this movie and try and convince myself that I like it just because I'm a fan, or do I stick with my initial review of this movie? And I'm gonna rewatch it. Don't get me wrong. I'm gonna yeah. rewatch it simply for the fact that I'm a Godzilla fan. So mm -hmm. it's it's uh, you know. Well, we've got a special guest in the uh, live chat. Uh, Mom! <laughs> hey, Mama! Uh, Mom Ormsby says, Mama like Godzilla too. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> she does. Whenever the first, uh, when I say first, uh, the 2014 Godzilla mm -hmm. came out, I took her to the premiere of that, uh, one, like the midnight premiere of that at the IMAX. Yep. She vicariously through me fell in love with Godzilla. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sad for you, Andrew, that it didn't didn't uh, live <laughs> up to any expectations made had, and you almost didn't like it. I'm happy for me that I had a good time. Uh, it's always fun to enjoy watching a movie. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I, I just my expectations were give me big monsters fighting, and I got, and I feel like I got that. Um. As opposed to King of the Monsters, where I really didn't feel like I got that because it was all, like Robert said, so kind of shadowed and, and that kind of thing. Um, I, like Robert, would this would be a battle for me with Kong Skull Island for my favorite uh, in this series of movies. I do like the original Godzilla. I do like that movie, too. But Kong Skull Island and this one both gave me that giddiness of, oh, this is so cool. Like, I, I had that well, feeling a lot during both of those movies. Kong Skull Island undoubtedly is the most visually stunning and beautiful out of all of them. I mean, that movie's on a different level. Like, as even with other Hollywood movies, that's up there with, like, uh, Mad Max Fury Road with, like, just a visual, beautiful way to show carnage, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like, those slow-mo shots with the fire and Sam Jackson just standing in the jungle. I mean, beautiful movie. It's a beautiful, beautiful movie. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and that one also has stuff to say, kind of like like there's always the apocalypse now yeah. comparisons, and that really does fit. Um, and that's one of my other negatives with this one with uh, Godzilla versus Kong, is that it's kind of a negative, kind of a positive. Is that it has something to say, um, and I don't want to get too into it because it has to do with a spoiler, but it doesn't really commit too much to that, and to me, it also doesn't really commit to the monsters fighting or to the humans. Uh, either it kind of just has these few different things going on and doesn't really want to commit fully to any of them, and it just kind of seems. It was a little enough bit lost. for me. Like I, I mean, it's what it's doing is it's taking the themes of Godzilla and the themes of Kong and finding out where they meet, and they both meet mm -hmm. in kind of the central theme of this movie, which is about uh, you know human use of the natural world to uh, destruction. Right. Like that seems to be the major theme here is about yeah. how humans take the beauty of the natural world and then use it to destroy. Um, and that is the that is kind of the combination of the Kong idea about nature and the Godzilla idea about, you know, nuclear holocaust. Like that's where those meet. So I thought that was that was pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. You're right. It doesn't really go anywhere with it. It doesn't like hammer that home. But I, I didn't mind that right. because that's not what the movie was about for me it was enough for me that it was just kind of there underneath and if you wanted to think about it you could um so yeah that didn't bother me too much um any any other That's thoughts fair. you guys had that you wanted to, to get out there about this movie no post-credit scene 
which is interesting actually with this one, right? That's actually all the others worth talking well, about. The first, yeah, the first Godzilla movie did not, but Kong and King of the Monsters did. Mm-hmm. So a lack of consistency. Well, and I just wonder where we're headed. Like, do we know where we're headed with the Titanverse? Um, you know, granted, I don't necessarily keep up with that stuff as as much as you guys might, but there are, there is actually comic. There's a comic series for the Titanverse that runs parallel to the movies, uh, but the movies have to you know do that thing where they don't really acknowledge what's going on in the comics because mm-hmm. it'd be way more confusing. Mm-hmm. So it's just one of those, right. uh, yeah, it just a uh, little icing on the cake sort of thing. But I think that. You could take a lot of stuff from the comic book uh, and graphic novel series and implement that into this movie franchise. I think that there is a lot of, you know, ways you could go. You could add Gamera, you know, which is like out of the three, there's like three big, you know, kaijus that a lot of people know. Uh, Kong, which is the Western, you know, kaiju mm-hmm. that everybody knows. Godzilla undoubtedly is the most famous out of all the big monsters mm-hmm. ever uh but then gamera would be like the giant turtle is the other one that everybody goes oh yeah oh. Hmm. so then that might be one a way to go uh but there's no but, there's no uh, plans or anything like i haven't heard any like news oh i have no idea yeah i haven't heard anything well either, and it's it's so. interesting because yeah. i mean this one took so long to get to us for very obvious reasons we've all lived in this world for the last year we know kind of what's going on uh originally i think it was scheduled exactly a year ago um i do i do like that there's almost a and i think this is intentional and maybe even has to do with the release date but there's almost a march madness feel to the matchup where it's like it's almost like a bracketed matchup where it's like these titans are going against each anyways that was a thought i had but it was uh oh yeah this this was like the uh the championship round right yes exactly past the sweet 16 Mm -hmm. with the mudos Mm -hmm. and the skull yeah. crawlers and the elite eight, yeah. But it was two years ago, uh, two years ago on this show uh, where we, the, I think the news broke about Godzilla versus Kong, and it was in a, um, uh, I think you brought it up, Andrew, in your segment, and uh, probably it was two years ago where we did the uh, if if the movie doesn't end with him saying Mothra, why did you say that name mm-hmm. joke? Uh, and now, like, millions idiot? of people have done that joke on Twitter. Because it's just, it's it's yeah. one of those yeah. jokes, it's like, I don't even, like, I'm sure somebody did it before Save we did, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's yeah. just like, it's just right there. It's like the, it's the universe. Yeah. That, the universe wrote that joke. You know, we we didn't write it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, fun times, fun times. Uh, Indeed. Yeah. My final thought, yeah, please. if that's okay, is just, I thought it was awesome that Godzilla uh, pops his shoulder back into place on a skyscraper. Um, I just yeah, thought that was awesome. Yeah, that is a fun moment. And I didn't know some Wait, someone that, that Kong, size could get a dislocated shoulder. Yeah, it was Kong. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm Kong. sorry, yeah. Kong. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I f- And that's, a, again, part of what I really liked about it was it just seemed like the movie was, had moments, those moments where it's like, eh, that's cool, or that's clever, or that's fun. And mm-hmm. I just, there were enough of them that I just, I, I just floated throughout just going, I'm having a blast. Um so there you go. Godzilla versus Kong still available on HBO Max for is it like a 30-day timeline they do for those movies? I can't remember. Yeah. Um so, you know, yeah. another 3 or 4 weeks it should be there for you and uh and then of course it's in theaters as well. Uh all right, let's move on to our next review. Let's talk about Bad Trip. 
Hidden cameras capture two best friends pulling hilarious and inventive pranks on an unsuspecting public. This is a Netflix movie. Uh, comedian Eric Andre uh, at the head of this uh, here, as well as Lil Ray Halvery and Tiffany Haddish kind of round out the main cast. Uh, and then a conglomerate of unsuspecting normies uh, are in this movie. And let's talk about the concept of this movie, even before we get to the liked it, loved it, just to so people kind of have an idea of what's going on here. This is the idea of, uh, you know, shows like Candid Camera or more recently Punked or Jackass or those kind of things. Uh, but with a plot structure, there is definitely a story that is being told and they're using these pranks as scenes in the story. Um, so obviously that means lots yeah, of... The pranks, yeah, the pranks push forward a fictional narrative. Correct. So obviously lots of improvisation. Um, you know, obviously they structured this and then probably shot it several different times with several different unsuspecting people and then took the best oh, yeah. takes and the best moments. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So what did you think? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or was just okay? Andrew, we'll start with you this time. Hated it. It's not a movie for me, though. Okay. Fair enough. I, I think that's a great distinction to make, uh, you know, when you say hated it. Uh, what about you? Robert? Uh, I'm going to say low side of Low liked side it. of liked it. Uh, and it may surprise people. That is exactly where I am as well. Um, I think I actually liked this movie. But it is, the, it is the low side. And almost solely for, and maybe we can start here, almost solely for the cringe factor. I'm just not like, you know, there's just, there, there's no. just things that happen in this movie where it's like the humor is that you can't believe it's happening and that people are watching it and you feel so bad for them. Yeah. Like that, and for me, I get it. I get that discomfort equals humor, but it's just one step below laughing at people who are injured. <laughs> like there's like, you know, it's just, there's this, this fine line uh, between actually being a jerk and making fun of people and, um, and pranking. And I just like, pranking is one of those things I just have this, terrible relationship with and i don't mean any like personal big stories or anything i just mean i i kind of get it but at the same time every time i see a prank or somebody pranked or an april fool's joke we just came through april fool's which i think was part of the release of this movie was kind of in conjunction with that um i just i i feel like i don't think i'm okay with it <laughs> like, i would not do that that's probably the, the best way to say it is i just i wouldn't do that um, to people because I think it's kind of mean. Uh, so that aspect of it kind of keeps me from giving a, any kind of big recommendation or big loved it to a movie that actually is really funny. There's some really funny stuff here, but it's just hard for me to uh, see beyond kind of the cringe factor uh, in that. Robert, you also seem to like it. So why don't you go next? What are some of your uh, general thoughts? Yeah. So a similar type of movie to this would be Borat, right? And that's a situation where he's there pranking people, quote mm -hmm. unquote, but he's he's making the the people that he's around mm -hmm. look bad. Uh, Borat, Sasha Baron Cohen is, um, but here it's all uh, Eric Andre and Lil Rel Howery are the ones that are the butt of the joke. It's true, you know, like he's the one falling off stuff or getting his clothes pulled off in the vacuum or whatever. Um, people are still uh, in disbelief of what's going on, and, and you're getting reactions for the for the camera and for the movie. But they're not the butt of the joke. Like you're not; they're probably not going to be too upset of about being included in the movie. Um, 
so I'm I'm kind of the same way as you, where I like this sort of prank type of movie or show because my wife and I we love to watch Impractical Jokers, and that's a mm-hmm. similar thing sure. where they're the butt of the joke, um, and like like with this movie. Um, but the only reason for me that this is only low side of liked it is because of there's a lot of gross out humor in it, um, and the gross out humor is what I don't really uh, jive with. The other, the other kind of stuff of like people getting hurt or just saying dumb things or just making fools of themselves. I love all of that, and that's where I got a lot of enjoyment. But there was like there was some gross out humor and just some stuff that I was like, all right, let's move on to the next thing. And that's where I kind of, you know, it, it lost. Yeah, I me think a bit. you're right. I think I, I would, I would uh, echo a lot of that. Yeah, it is kind of the gross out stuff is the cringe stuff that I'm just like, I just I don't know, I don't know. What Andrew? What are your thoughts? Uh, I know you hated it, so. I, I can uh, kind of probably uh, guess your thoughts, but go ahead. <laughs> I hate. I don't like cringe humor. Uh, this movie is, as Rob said, gross. There's a lot of vulgar, disgusting humor that's just. It, I don't. It doesn't appeal. There's literally nothing in this movie that appealed to me. Like I was hmm. like, uh, I, I I'm not familiar with Eric Andre or his work, so it's not like I was like, ooh, let's see what he's up to. Um, I don't like prank humor. I don't like that gross, disgusting humor. Uh, it's, it's. I hate seeing people put in a situation or exploited in a situation for a reaction. You know, like an unwilling participant. Mm-hmm. Like I just don't. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. It's it's so weird. And uh, I think maybe if there's one shining light in this entire movie, it's Tiffany Haddish. I just think she's great. And mm-hmm. anything she does, um, so her character was fun to watch because she really, <laughs> she really goes for it. I guess that's like my one, you know, thing that I'm gonna go. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna hang my hat on that. But other than that, like this movie is just it's not for me. It's it's not for me. It's interesting because I was going to ask you if there was anything you liked, and I was going to prompt that with Tiffany Haddish because I do think she is the star of this movie. I think she comes out yeah. looking really good. Uh, just just yeah. for her acting chops, if nothing else, like she sells her character uh, much better than Eric Andre and uh, Lil Ray Howery uh, do, in my opinion. And I think they're okay. I don't think they but... have characters. I think that they're just gimmicks. They don't yeah. have like uh, yeah. there's nothing about them that screams character development. Where Tiffany Haddish, yeah, I totally 100 buy into it. But. Yeah, yeah, I here's here's my uh, another negative uh, that I have that that kind of keeps me. And I, the more I think about, it, I probably uh, you know how we start to wonder. Uh, on this show from one ranking to another. I, Did you know, I actually like it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is the case of, uh, you know, heading down into the it's just okay. Maybe high side of it's just okay for me. The more I think about it, uh, talking it with you, uh, talking it out with you guys. But one of the other things is I get very distracted by um, the mechanics of a, of a movie like this. I get distracted by mm-hmm. the production of it. Um, because my mind starts thinking like, oh, that person knows what's going on and they're, they're trying to play along with it too. And then that steals some of what the movie is trying to do where it's trying to be, oh, we shocked these people. I'm like, I don't think you actually shocked that person. I think they're acting. Uh, and so, and so even just the conversation in my head distracts me from the movie. And so, and then there are moments where, um, I feel like, okay, if that is real, 
like there's actual danger going on. And I think, you know, one thing a lot of these type of shows and movies do is they will show you the uh, after effects uh, in the, the credits. and this Popcorn. <laughs> what's that? Popcorn, when you knew he was like, that's what I was going to bring up. Safe word. That's what I was, that was maybe my uh, favorite is a weird word, but the most compelling 10 seconds of this entire movie is when you learn that if he feels like he's in danger, he has a a safe word and he gets into a conversation with somebody at a bar and that guy says something about, okay, I guess we're going to find this out. And he just starts walking away going popcorn, 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 popcorn. And I'm just like, that yeah. was so real. Like, I don't know. It was yeah. just so compelling. And I was just like, so that kind of stuff almost distracts me from the movie because the movie is trying to sell something that is more manufactured than we would think, even though I think the movie admits it's manufactured. It, it probably at the end of the day, we would be surprised at how much more manufactured it is than we would even um, believe. And I can't stop those thoughts from like peppering my whole viewing experience. Uh, so it gets a little distracting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's why with a movie like this, um, especially this this movie specifically, is that like I don't think too much about it as a story or like as a movie right. in the same kind of sense as even like Godzilla versus Kong, which we talked about, um, because you know so much of it is set up and uh, there's cameras. Like even at one point, I'm pretty sure someone looks into a camera and gives it a look. Like one of the people who's supposed to be being right, pranked. Yeah. Like this this isn't. You know, this isn't the same kind of fictional movie that you're always going to see. And they're not even pretending to film a documentary like with Borat or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but I I did appreciate, um, for one, what you were talking about, the end with all the people finding out. That's always one of my favorite parts of a movie like this or a show like this. Just people finding out like, oh, I can breathe now. This is all mm-hmm. fake. Um, and then at the same time, there was some actual heart under underneath. Um, it's the same, like you said, with Godzilla, where it's not super deep and it's not like the main point of the movie but if you dig just a little bit it's there like sibling love and uh you know the scene i'll I'll just say there's a scene with a soldier at the end um i thought those those couple scenes were really good uh, for hammering home an actual point slash slash message yeah it's hard for me to give it too much credit on that uh on that level just it just all seems very shallow to me but um but it is it is right. there uh, you're not wrong it's yeah. i i see what they're trying to do i'm just not sure that it's as uh in, in, impactful really uh that much i just give it slight props sure. for like actual actually trying and not just being 100 percent pranked. it's funny because you 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 did the thing where you compared it to godzilla versus kong and that that made me laugh because i wrote the exact same review on letterbox for both movies <laughs> oh. <laughs> just to see if anybody would notice but the rev- the That's review funny. is this movie is exactly the movie it wants to be and i know exactly the part of my psyche to access to enjoy it uh, and that was that was the review for both Godzilla versus Kong and Bad Trip. Um, so yeah, I can see there there is that element of oh, you know, I'm not expecting too much out of this because that's not what this movie is trying to be. Um, yeah, which is interesting because sometimes a movie like this somehow gets nominated for Academy Awards. Hello, Borat subsequent <laughs> movie film. Uh, so you know, you want to make that joke where it's not trying to be an Academy Award winning film, and then you got Sasha Baron Cohen out there uh, accidentally making an Oscar nominated film. That one just hit at the yeah. right time yeah. and like the right world events. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right about that. Uh, any other thoughts on uh, what happened here in Bad Trip, Robert? Did you have anything else you wanted to mention? I think I said everything I had. Yeah, there's there's not a lot necessarily to go into, Andrew. Yeah. Yeah, same. Yeah, post-credits uh, outtakes. Uh, 
yeah, for, for quite a bit that's of the about credits. It. <clears throat> so yeah. Uh, so there you go. Bad Trip is on Netflix. Uh, if you have a Netflix subscription, it's there waiting for you to watch. If you want to watch it, um, I don't know. I, yeah, if you like if you like prank stuff, I mean, you're probably gonna like this movie. Yeah, I, I was gonna yeah. say like it's an easy. If you're recommend. a fan of Jackass or punked or anything yeah. like that, it's an easy recommend to somebody who loves um, prank stuff like that. So there you mm-hmm. go. It is on Netflix. Uh, before we get into best ever challenge, even before we get into, uh, you know, thanking our Sif Pop members, I did want to say, Andrew, was it you that recommended, uh, Roar in the documentary about making the movie Roar? Yes. Roar, the most, uh, dangerous movie ever made. Yeah. I I watched that. I wanted you to know I watched that. I I figured I'd tell you on the show. Um, so I watched both the movie Roar, which is on YouTube. If you want to check it out, you you can just search for it. Um, and then also the, uh, I guess documentary, I guess it's basically an episode, um, where they talk. I think it's like a discovery special where it's like a 45 hour long. Yeah. I found it on demand on uh, discovery on demand. Uh, I think animal planet on demand, uh, is the one that's showing it, but, uh, I did watch both of those things and everything Andrew said is correct. Uh, that's insane. It's insane. I can't believe they got it. Like, I just, I can't believe that nobody died. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's that's the miracle of the movie. Yeah. Nobody like people get mauled, yeah. people get, you know, bit claws. John DeBot like lo- lost half of his cranium. Like it's crazy. I know. <laughs> nobody died. Yeah, so anyway, if you want to see a a an animal lover who has maybe maybe Taken the idea of humans and animals living together to too far of an extent. Uh, it kind of reminds me of Grizzly Man. Yeah. A little bit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but then subject uh, his family uh, to it as well, which is insane. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can check out Roar. I wanted to mention that as well. Yeah. Interesting. I was, uh, let, real quick, before I know we're trying to get to the next segment, no, you're but good, I'm going to shout out. I'm going to shout out Invincible that was brought up last week for Buried Treasure. Yeah. Uh, that show is great. Yeah, I'm loving it. You know, we could we could do a segment uh, on the show every once in a while. It's like, hey, you recommended it and I watched it, uh, kind of thing. Because I also watched Invincible um, yeah. this week. So so yeah, so that yeah. may be something we can do at some yeah, point. Yeah, chat everybody in the chat. Think of a cool name for that new segment. <laughs> yeah, do it. Uh, before we head on to the best ever challenge, thank you, thank you, thank you to our Sif Pop members. Uh, we appreciate you very much. That's at Patreon.com. Slash Sift Pop. We do a show for our Sift Pop members every week uh, where we take a topic and uh, just have a conversation uh, for you as a Sift Pop member. Um, there's also some other fun stuff there that you can check out. Robert was on the show f- uh, this week doing his list of shame game. Uh, that mm-hmm. is where we have our guests admit movies they have not seen. And then we try to guess uh, of the ones they list which one they've actually seen. Um, so you can check that out if you're a SIFPOP member. It should be in your podcast feed now. So uh, you, if you want to see what it's like to be a SIFPOP member, just go to patreon.com slash SIFTPOP. And uh, we appreciate you very, very much. Also, you get your podcast without commercials when you're a SIFPOP member. Uh, so get that too. Uh, yes. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, All right, let's move on to the best ever challenge. Best ever Kyle Chandler movies. I like me some Kyle Chandler. He's been in some good stuff. Uh, Clear eyes, full hearts. Can't lose. Can't lose. Can't lose. Uh, yeah, can I just throw out my honorable mention, Friday Night Lights? I <laughs> right, mean, right. It's, if, if we were doing TV shows, that would be number one, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it may surprise many to know I've never watched a single episode of Friday Night Lights. Um, so that just oh. one just completely missed me. Uh, and it's Clutch so, my pearls. It's so daunting to think about. Like It's the same reason I've never watched an episode of Sopranos. Well, I can't say that. I actually watched the pilot for uh, to write on it um, for my other job. But... Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's just so daunting to think of. Like I know everybody loves this, but I just I don't know that I want to spend the next you know year of my life trying to you know catch up on it. Fine so, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's get into. I'd recommend it. I love that show. No, I know. It's so I, good. I know for a fact I'd love it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm sure I would. You get to see very young Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, totally. Ooh. Uh, best ever Kyle Chandler movies. We will go from number five to number one. If you have something listed higher than it's mentioned by somebody else, you can trump it. Trump! And uh, we'll talk about it when it's your turn uh, at its highest. So we'll start at number five. And Robert, as our guest, why don't you kick us off? What do you got at number five? Sure. Uh, I kind of expect this one will be trumped, but I'll say it anyway. Uh, I have First Man at number five. Trump indeed. Um, trump indeed. Okay. We will talk about that. In a little bit or a lot of bit, uh, knowing how I feel about that movie. Uh, all right, Andrew, what do you got at number five? Uh, I'm going to go with a character that we've talked about today, but in a totally different franchise. I'm going with King Kong, ah, yes. the Peter Jackson one. This just barely uh, missed my list. I really like this movie. It Honestly, it, it was a, I'll just say First Man was my first honorable mention. So it was right there behind mm-hmm. King Kong. Uh, so they could have been interchanged. Uh, I think that this movie gets uh, scoffed at for being so long, and yes, mm-hmm. it is a very long movie, but it's Peter Jackson showing off, and we should not be surprised at this point whenever Peter Jackson decides to make a long movie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that's kind of his thing, mm-hmm. but I think that everybody's great. I think that, I, honestly, I think that um, uh, Kyle Chandler's pretty fun in this movie. It's a character I'm not used to seeing him play, mm-hmm. but if I'm going to say there's a single standout performance in this movie, besides Andy Serkis, who who just brought tears to my eyes as King Kong. I'm actually going to go with Jack Black. I thought that his character was fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. Great movie. Uh, makes me cry every time. I love it. I echo everything you said, including Jack Black. Uh, I, yeah. I, uh, I think this is definitely a fun one. I saw that when it came out in theaters, and that means I was a little kid, and I've never <laughs> gone back to it. But 
Lord of the Rings <laughs> is my favorite movie ever, and I need yeah. to. I want to refresh in my Peter Jackson, so I'm going to see it at some point. Yeah, you I should. I think it came out either 2006 or 2007 because I was in college. Yeah, uh, and it was the first date I ever took a girl to. Oh. Uh, hey, hey, you want to go? Yeah, let's go see King Kong, which is nice. not the date movie you really expect it to be. Not gonna <laughs> lie, lots of creepy crawlies in that movie. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, my number five is Super Eight. Um, I really enjoy this movie. Honorable uh, mention. I I don't know. I don't know where pop culture aficionados kind of stand on this movie these days. I remember when it when it came out. J.J. Uh, Abrams was, you know, kind of hitting a, a lot of big swings and and doing some good stuff. Um, and I also remember it was like heavy into the, uh, or I shouldn't say heavy. It was just kind of tipping over into the okay, cool it with the lens flares, buddy. Like it was kind of, it was kind of, yeah. it was tilt. This is where we kind of tilted into, I think, people tiring on some of the ways he did like visual stuff. Um, and so I think it was kind of split between movie lovers whether or not they enjoyed this or not. But I, it also kind of fits with. You know, the idea of kaijus and, and the idea of, you know, kind of the monsters and what we're talking about. Um, I just think there's some really good performances here. I think unlike other monster movies, this one doesn't depend on the monster really at all. It's almost uh, um, a MacGuffin. The monster is almost a MacGuffin in this movie for, you know, more of the homage to like Spielberg, you know, uh, kids on a quest kind of thing uh, that it's doing, which I, I really, really liked. So um, Super 8, yeah, yeah, one of my favorites. A uh, kid from my acting class is actually in this movie. He's, oh, nice. Uh, yeah. yeah. He's, uh, do you remember, like, at the end of the movie, the kid who, uh, Gabriel Basso was his name. Mm-hmm. He did the uh, detective. Uh, he, like, th- made the fake detective movie, you know? Yes. Yeah. In mm-hmm. that, yeah, that was him. Oh, um, nice. The thing I remember most about this movie is this came a couple years after Cloverfield did. Yes. Yeah. And the... Um, the marketing for this movie had a lot of people suspecting is Super 8 going to be the sequel to Cloverfield? Mm-hmm. And that was the big thing. And that's what uh, that's what he likes to do, you know? He likes to yeah. build J.J. Abrams' the suspense. His The way he markets movies, especially the Cloverfield movies, I mean, that's the way movies should be marketed, yeah. you know? Yeah. Don't give everything away. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. I totally agree. That's my number five. Let's go on to our number fours. Robert, what yep. do you got? Uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Anyone Trump. That? <laughs> I was expecting that. Figured yeah. Andrew might trump that one. It was in my honorable mentions. I am debating watching that again. I didn't really like it that much. Um, but, man, a lot of people love that movie. So yeah. I may have to give it another uh, shot. I will say Kyle Chandler is one of my favorite things about that movie uh, that mm-hmm. I remember uh, watching that movie. That scene on the boat good. remains. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. That tete-a-tete remains one of my favorite scenes uh, in that film. So. Could so, you yeah. say that for me one more time? Sorry, I, I just I just realized it was Trump. We shouldn't be talking about it. Let's uh let's let's no, move no, on. No, to, no, no, let's no, no. move on. Uh to your number four, Andrew. What do you got? Uh this is where I have Argo. I'm gonna Trump I'm that. Gonna Trump Anybody gonna Trump, yeah. Trump this? No. <laughs> okay. Uh, what we're saying, what Robert and I are saying, Andrew, is you had it way too low. Come on. Come on, buddy. Um <laughs> just kidding. Uh all right, uh my number four, I think will be Trumped as well. Uh zero doc. 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I assumed. I assumed so. It's nice I think that we, we all have the other. same list. They're just in the <laughs> wrong. I think we all have the same list. They're all just in different orders. So. Uh, let's go with number threes then. Robert, what do you got at number three? This one, I don't know if it'll be trumped. Uh, the Spectacular Now. Uh, it's one of the earliest A24 movies. It's, uh, it's like a teen romance movie with uh, Miles Teller and 
Shailene Woodley, and it, all, it has a really sneaky great cast. Uh, got the two of them, Jennifer Jason Leigh, Brie Larson, Bob Odenkirk, and then um, Kyle Chandler, the guy we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, in my opinion, it's the first really good A24 movie. Came after Spring Breakers and um, Bling Ring, which are the first two bigger, like wide, widely known mm-hmm. ones. But this one, this one's really good. Uh, apart from my number one movie, which you'll we'll talk about in a bit, this is the one where Kyle Chandler is featured the most. Uh, he's Miles Teller's dad, um, but not to not to spoil it, when he comes into the movie, when Kyle Chandler comes into the movie, that's when it really takes off and gets to a different level. Um, and a lot of the movie's themes really start to mesh. And and that's what makes it really great to me is it's it's a good teen romance up until that point, but it's a good, uh, it's a great uh, just overall drama, family drama uh, once the movie ends. Uh, it's a great choice. It was in my honorable mentions. Uh, 2013 was an interesting year because Spectacular Now came out, as did Short Term 12. And mm-hmm. I always get those movies confused because they are both great movies with incredible cast. Brie Larson's in both of them. Uh, and they both have like casts where you're like, oh, that person went on to be amazing. If you've never yeah. seen Short Term 12, uh, it, it now holds, I think, four Oscar nominees, <laughs> like amongst, you know, like in their like first role. Uh, Brie Larson, uh, Lakeith Stanfield in one of his first roles. Uh, Caitlin Deaver is in there in uh, one of her first roles. Rami Malik. And like one of the first time we've seen, like, it's just interesting to go back to, you know, and see that. Um, and as far as spectacular now, you mentioned Miles Teller and Shailene Woodley. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is also oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. in that as well. Um, so, yeah, it's just those two movies always get jumbled in my brain, not because they're the same movie. They're really not. But because it's kind of feels the same as like, look at this incredible young cast uh, doing great mm-hmm. work. So good choice. I'm glad you brought out uh, spectacular now. Uh, all right. I think, Andrew, that means we're your number three. Yeah, it's going to get Trump, so uh, oh, game okay. night. Yeah, Trump. Uh, Robert's going to Trump it. Uh, well, guess uh, what? That means oh, you... Oh, you're not? No, it was, it was my number three as well. So Robert Trump's okay. it for both of us. Uh, so we'll go on to your number two, Robert. What do you got at number two? Uh, this is where I have Argo. Um, I have Argo at two as well, so let's talk about it now. We've both got it at number two. Andrew had it at number four. Four. So on yeah. all three of our lists in number two for both Robert and I, talk about Argo. Yeah, so growing up, I mostly watched like IP-driven stuff, like all the superhero movies or like King Kong or whatever, um, just because I wasn't really allowed to watch some certain types of dramas and I wasn't interested in ter- certain types of dramas just because I was never exposed to them. Um, but as a teenager, Argo is one of the first like drama not attached to anything else that I really watched and really got into and uh, I really loved it. And then when it went on to win Best Picture, that kind of just elevated it in my mind to me. Um, I think Ben Affleck is great in it. He's he's a he's great at directing in that, um, and of course as the lead. Um, this is another one that has a lot of people that you know, um, like Brian Cranston and Kyle Chandler, uh, and they're part of that one great scene at the airport. That's like the scene in the movie Mm -hmm. that's totally fabricated from real life, but that doesn't bother me at all because of how great the scene is. Um, But yeah, I really love Argo. I do too. And I want to rewatch it. It's been too long, but I think uh, my memory is that this is just a, like when you talk about perfect films, you know, just the idea of that doesn't mean it's without fault and you couldn't find something Mm -hmm. you didn't like about it. It just means it does exactly what it wants to do, like in every scene. And it's so Mm -hmm. compelling 
And um, I just I just remember being way along for the ride on this one, and it's just it's been too long uh, since I've seen it. I need to I need to revisit this one because I do I love this movie. I think it's really good. The thing that this movie does, and the reason why it works, is because it's building to a single moment. Mm-hmm. You know, this tension is, uh, you know, and, and it's building upon itself over and over again to get to that one scene at the airport, and you're just like, it all comes down to this. If they can't pull this off, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's why that scene in the airport is so, you know, intense and stressful is because this cast and, you know, the directing and the writing has done such a magnificent job of building that tension to that point. So, yeah, yeah. totally. Great movie. Great movie. The uh, first one we've uh, talked about that was on uh, all three of our lists. So there you go. Argo coming in at uh, number two. So, Andrew, I think that means we need to hear your number two, right? Uh, I think so. This is where I have zero dark 30. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's talk about it. I had it at number four. Andrew had it at number two. Robert, I don't think it made uh, your list. It's my honorable mention. Okay. Yeah. Talk about it, Andrew. Wow, Jessica Chastain is crazy good in this movie. Yeah. I mean, this is her movie, obviously. Uh, Kyle Chandler has a really, you know, interesting character. Mark Strong is super good in this. But this movie comes down, kind of like with Argo, it comes down to the last 30 minutes, you know? Mm-hmm. And that last 30 minutes is probably some of the most intense, compelling riveting filmmaking i've ever seen of something i know the outcome to you know (laughs) i know what's gonna happen but i can't help it because it for so long you know i i remember exactly where i was whenever i watched the news that bin laden was killed i remember exactly where i was so knowing that what i was doing was uh, while I was doing this, this was happening on the other side of the world. This insane undercover operation. So uh, I don't want to make it sound like the first two hours of this movie weren't compelling because seeing Jessica Chastain put together all of these pieces, you know, that was riveting stuff. But honestly, it's that last 30 minutes where you see Chris Pratt and Joel Edgerton and the rest of those Navy SEALs go in and do business was just such a like intense exciting adrenaline inducing yeah. experience yeah it's re- it's really compelling it's it's just really yeah. compelling movie making um so yeah zero dark i love Catherine bigelow yeah great work uh i think that brings us to our number one since i had argo at number two and we already talked about that um and i think if you've been paying attention i think you know all three of our number one well maybe not andrews i don't know if andrews number yeah, one. yeah you is. do yeah i think you do know all three of our number ones uh so robert kick us off your number <coughs> one yeah this is where i have game night um, yeah well i mentioned earlier this is out of all of the ones on my list where he's most in or kyle chandler's most involved and he's kind of at the heart of all the conflict, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's, yeah. He gets it all started um, with what is supposedly the the fake murder mystery thing, and then it turns out that he's actually being <laughs> hunted down. It's just this wacky, awesome action comedy thing with actors in an action comedy that you wouldn't expect. Um, and it's shot so much better than you would expect. There's a scene with the Fabergé egg going all around the that house. Uh, I could just watch that oh, yeah. over and over. Uh, it's... It's an unbroken shot in the movie, but I'm sure there was editing involved, but it doesn't matter because it looks perfect. Um, Mm -hmm. This is another one that's just a go-to for my wife and I because 
it's that perfect middle of just like the action, the comedy, uh, the romance, even with Jason Bateman and uh, Rachel McAdams, uh, who both of whom I, I really love. Um, yeah, I could just go on and on about Game Night. I just love this movie so much. I want uh, Rachel McAdams and uh, Jason Bateman to just star in a series of films that are unrelated, but as a couple, like just you know, like create another story. Oh, the chemistry's around. great. It's just they are so good together and so funny together. Um, yeah, I just this this movie is great. Uh, great. Uh, you had it at number one. I think Andrew, both you and I had it at number three. Three. Um, so another one. I just want a Jesse Plemons movie. Mm. <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, yeah, this this movie's great. Yeah, I, I don't I don't have too much to add other than it's Honestly, just so fun to watch. I can't tell you how many times I've seen this movie because every single time I watch it, it gets funnier every time. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. There's so many great scenes and one-liners that are just coming to my head right now that we could just mm-hmm. sit here talking about for 20 minutes. Oh no, he died. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, oh, no, I he mean, died. Yeah. <laughs> so many, so many good stuff. Uh, the ultimate for me, and I will laugh so loud I, I miss portions of it every single time is the bullet wound scene i just it just oh it came sl- out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just slays me every single time uh oh right. because she bought that uh she bought that uh like good housekeeping uh-huh. like uh yeah like that one magazine because he likes the uh, uh i forget what it was but yeah it's, no it's great that's it's... so so lovable yep. so good uh andrew tell us about your number one movie well, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, there you go. Uh, insanity ensues. Uh, I think that this is the movie where I was like, "Come on, give Leo that Oscar!" Yeah. Like he he should have won for this one. I think that his character is fascinating. That uh, as uh, Aaron mentioned earlier, that scene on the boat with him and Kyle Chandler was just you know. It's great. It's great because neither one of them was going to back down. Mm-hmm. One of right. them had uh, <clears throat> the money to back up his uh, gravitas, and the other had the power of the law to back up his. So seeing them go back and forth, like, you think you're going to take me down? I know I'm going to take you down. That kind of thing going back and forth. Uh, it's just so bombs. good. I love, I love all the characters in this. I think that this is probably... Uh, I think this is where everybody first saw Margot Robbie. Um, great. I mean, thank you so much because I love her in almost everything she does now. She's so good. Uh, I'm trying to have a Jonah Hill is wacko in this movie, but I love it. I love every minute of it. I I could see how Aaron. I would actually recommend uh, not just because we're talking about it, but I would actually recommend going back and watching this movie. I I have a feeling I know why it's not a movie. F- you think it's not a movie for you? It's kind of that. Same with the, those grat, gravi, gratification of the mafia lifestyle yeah. type of movie. Yeah. Uh, I just... It's this Scorsese thing. And, and it could special. just be all me. Like, I just have this Scorsese thing where it's like, he is he is painting this picture and, and it doesn't have anything to do with consequence or no consequence. Like, I mean, maybe it has a little bit to do with that, but it has more to do with the exuberance and joy of hurting people, you know, uh, harming people's lives. There's... I'm just, it's not, it's not presented to me in a way where I can fully embrace that it's satire. It doesn't feel like satire to me. It feels like Scorsese is like, oh, isn't, isn't this stuff cool? Like, isn't, and I just like, it's hard for my spirit to be like, not be like, no, that's not cool. That's awful. And, you know, like, I don't know. So there's, 
it's just something I have with him, and it, and it I felt it during this movie. Maybe maybe if I can rewatch it and try to separate that part of mm-hmm. you know my psyche or my eyes, uh, and just be like, okay, try to see it more as satire. I don't know, but um, but yeah, it just it, it didn't work for me. The way I see and you're it, right. That is it. Yeah, I don't know if it's really satire in his movies. He's showing like this stuff can be fun and and you can enjoy it and it can like be fulfilling for you for a time, but it's not mm-hmm. going to be worth it in the end. Uh, especially with like Goodfellas and Wolf of Wall Street, you know, like you see the real consequences that the characters have. Um, mm-hmm. The real Jordan Belfort may not have the same sort of consequences, but the movie, like the movie character that he's portraying has real consequences. And you see that like all of the stuff that he was doing up until then, while it, it was fun, and he was having a great time. I don't think uh, he's saying in the end it was worth doing. So like, I'm not sure that he was kind of satirizing it while it's happening. Um and I think- no, like I said, like the the consequences. I agree. I I I don't think in all of his movies he's saying it's worth it. No. What I think he's saying is, but don't you get it? Don't you get why they do? It? Like, look how fun this is. Look how great this is. And I'm just like, no, I don't get it. I don't think it's fun. I don't think it's great. And I don't want it. Like, I don't. My spirit just like pushes back on that yeah. in some ways. And and what I hear you saying is there's an honesty to it. Mm-hmm. And and what I'm saying is that's not my uh, my perspective. Doesn't find that honest. It finds it false. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Yeah. For me, whenever I watch Scorsese's movies that deal with the same type of like uh emotional like, do you like this or not? I never get that. I always go with the Icarus story. Like, oh, these people they're flying so close to the sun. Those wax wings are gonna melt, yeah. and when they fall, they're gonna fall hard. That's what I get out of these sure. movies. Like, and what I'm saying is so. I don't think they're flying. That's what I'm what I'm saying is I don't I don't get the joy of flight from it that that Scorsese does and most people do. Let me let me rephrase that then. I'm not saying that like the journey up to this point I'm like, "Oh man, I wish I had this lifestyle." Yeah. I'm watching somebody and I I'm not envious. I don't want to, I don't want it to come across that I'm envious of what they're going through. I'm like, "This person I I understand how I understand that they are loving this right now." And they like a Right. I don't care what the consequences are. They just until the consequences happen, sort of yeah. thing. You know. Yeah. I, I listen. We've had this conversation probably you know at least a dozen times on this show, and I totally get sure. it. In there is no like, there's no judgment for me for enjoying a movie like this. You know, we're all different, and we all have you know put ourselves in different mindsets. I'm just telling you, I have psychological bar- barriers to whenever it feels glamorized you know whenever there's a glamorization mm-hmm. i feel I, I like my hackles go up and so scorsese tends to do that to me and this is another one of those movies i'm not opposed to watching it again and trying to you know turn the hackle dial down and and just seeing you know what i can get out of it um but that's just i just trying to kind of explain myself and kind of you know where i come from but you know we've we've you've heard it before that's why i love you know, subjectivity is that your your opinion is totally valid and mine and andrew's opinion is just as valid as yours sure Absolutely, yeah, totally. But agree. we're right. <laughs> yeah. the, the, right. The difference is you guys are right and I'm wrong. That is yeah. that is the difference. Aaron, uh, number one. My number one is First Man. Um, I believe it was also on your list at number five, Robert. Yeah, is that correct? Five. And Andrew, you said it just missed your list. Uh, King Kong uh, knocked it off. Yeah, uh, it is no secret how much I love Damien Chazelle, how much I, I think he is uh, an absolute artist when it comes to uh, making movies and t- telling stories. And uh, I'm still trying to figure out how this one uh, missed the mark for most people. So 
Um, this this movie is absolutely astonishing to me on a visual level. It's astonishing to me on a story level, on a thematic level. The stuff that he's doing with Neil Armstrong here and the idea of almost space travel as therapy uh, is just, I mean, it's it's so deep. It's so introspective. It's so beautiful. Um, I, I really dig this movie. Um, so, yeah, First Man, if you didn't see it because there wasn't a lot of buzz about it, I'd highly encourage you to check it out. If you just saw it amongst a bunch of stuff and, and, and you know, um, just kind of set it to the side but thought, mm, maybe I'll come back to that, go back to it. I just think there's a lot, a lot of real beauty uh, in this movie in a lot of different ways. So that's my, uh, my take on First Man. Uh, Robert, you also I'll had it on, you. on your list. So Yeah, um, I'm, I'm more in the camp that I really appreciate it than more than I really love it because La La Land is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, and I can't really get on board with, with Whiplash. Um, that's another one that I really appreciate. Like, I understand why people love it. Um, and I still have it kind of at like a four out of five stars. But it's just... You were doing so good. You were I doing know, so I good, know. Robert, with Andrew. And then you mentioned not liking Whiplash. And Andrew's like, we're never having him back. It's just, it's sort of <laughs> similar to what you were saying about Goodfellas or, or any, anything Scorsese. Right, yeah. It's like, I can't get on board with any of the characters and there's no one for me to invest in. Um so First Man's another one where I like really appreciate what Chazelle do, does, um, and I appreciate the themes that are going on. It just doesn't grab me as much, but I think there are great themes, great great visuals, great music, and of course the two great leads with Claire Foy and Ryan Gosling. Yeah. That's where I'm pushing back. My biggest issue with First Man is I can't buy Ryan Gosling as Neil Armstrong. Mm. It just didn't work for me. Yeah. Because I I knew, like, I shouldn't say I know Neil Armstrong. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, from documentaries and stuff yeah. that I've seen, he had that rock star mentality, you know, that they all, that a lot of astronauts have. And that is like the exact opposite of the character that Ryan Gosling is portraying. I get that that this is a work of fiction. The same they did the same thing in the social network with uh, uh, Zuckerberg. You know the the Zuckerberg that uh, Jesse Eisenberg portrays is nothing like the real one. But for some reason, it in this case it just made it that much more difficult for me to invest. I guess I could say in this version of Neil Armstrong. And since the whole movie rests on his mm-hmm. shoulders. That's where it kind of falters. Sure. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of visuals, like uh, where when he's doing that test flight in that incredibly tiny, like like cockpit, and he can only see at that tiny window. It's like anxiety-inducing. And then probably one of my favorite scenes in all of cinema is in this movie when they first open that hatch onto the moon, and they just the camera pans out onto the moon. It's I don't know why that that transition to IMAX was just so like surreal. It's one of my favorite shots of all time. I don't know why it's yeah. just so beautiful. He, he sets it up so perfectly. I mean, he spends the entire movie cramping you with Neil. Uh, even the, even the regular conversations are shot in close-ups, mm-hmm. and like everything feels cramped and he chooses that moment to just loosen the entire movie and it's it's representative of Neil's character feeling that release of you know um the idea that that traveling to the moon allowed him to deal with those those demons and so yeah you come out of the ship and it just opens up and especially if you're watching an IMAX for the very first time during the entire movie the only time that movie yeah. is in IMAX is during those moon scenes and it's just it's purposeful it's beautiful and 
yeah, there's a reason it hits so hard. Uh, it's really well done. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Best ever Kyle Chandler movies. Uh, I only have one honorable mention left uh, that we didn't talk about. Probably the same yeah, one, one I do. As well. Is it Man- Manchester by the Sea? Manchester by the Sea. Yeah. It deserves mentioning. Um, I didn't love it as much as some, but I definitely felt it. Mm. You know, it is definitely a movie that That's you right. feel. Um so yeah, it's it's a powerful one and definitely worth mentioning. It's not a movie you go back to, mm-hmm. I don't think. Like it it's it's rough enough. Like the emotional impact is like, oh, I don't want to put myself through that again. <laughs> it was beautiful, and I'm glad that I watched it. But yeah. man, that was just sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Uh, well, there you go. Let's uh, let's head on to the buried treasure, guys. What's that one thing in any area of pop culture you want to make sure people know about it? Uh, Robert, you get to go last. On this, I will kick us off um, and just say Top Chef is back. Uh, had the first uh, new episode in a long time this week, and I really, really enjoyed uh, Top Chef. Now, it's an interesting story for me because I didn't watch a single episode of Top Chef until the pandemic, and then I watched every single episode of Top Chef. Yes, this is the guy who just said Sopranos was too much. <laughs> I was about to say. Uh, <laughs> listen there's a difference between being able to watch reality television in the background while you're working on other stuff and watching you know like a high praised uh high prestige cable oh show um that needs your attention uh but yes i watched every single episode of top chef uh and then uh and it's different now that it's on live i get to kind of partake in the fun of like you know, conversation between episodes and, you know, who's who made what and who's doing good. And and I know all the guest judges because this year they're all like former winners or contestants um, that did really well. Uh, you can tell that they're also really patterning this season as an emotional kind of, you know, how the hard the restaurant industry has been hit over the last year. And it has been hit hard i think we all understand that we all get that but this this show is like certainly not shying away from that um and it's you know it's clear that they're all uh they were all quarantining together to do the show and that's why they have the same you know guest judges kind of rotating through and not bringing in um kind of the different judges like they usually do but it took me a long time to start watching this show but now that i am uh, i wanted to give it a shout out because i do really enjoy it um i didn't think i was a cooking show kind of person but this show is is really well done so there you go top chef is back uh andrew what do you got for your uh, buried treasure i'm gonna go with a western anime uh and it's a netflix original i'm gonna go with dota dragon's blood it's actually Hmm. based off of dota the video game which i'll say this right now i have not played but dota is one of the most like infamous video games of all time it's like one of the biggest bestsellers this is a really interesting and fascinating story to get into it's a medieval uh dragon slayers uh wizards elves that kind of stuff but told from a very i guess you could say adult viewpoint I guess if I had a, a one selling point, like to say it's an animated witcher, you know, with dragons. Uh, it's really good. I think the voice acting is great. You got a lot of very famous uh, actors in this. You got Troy Baker, Tony Todd, Robert England. Uh, a lot of really good uh, uh, voice actors doing some really good work. This is a fun show. Like I said, it's a Netflix original. Uh, 
content warning. It is, you know, uh, adult-themed. I'm not saying it's like Game of Thrones or anything, but there's violence, there's uh, language, uh, but it's good. Real good. Uh, does Dota stand for anything, like Day of the Something or Dragons of the Something or anything like that, or is it just Dota? I'm about to find out. <laughs> I wasn't sure. I've never really heard of it, um, but yeah, uh, that's interesting. Dota, Dragon's Blood. Uh, you said that is on Netflix. Yep. Very nice. Defense of the Ancients. There you go. I knew it had to be some sort of acronym. Defense yep. of the Ancients. Very nice. Ancients? Hmm. Ancients. Well, it should be do- Dote then, oh, no. uh, if my GIF <laughs> GIF people are are correct. Oh, <laughs> they were fighting words. <laughs> not having that GIF GIF conversation. Uh, Robert, what about you? What's your buried yeah, treasure? Yeah, so with the Oscars coming up this month, um, I've been preparing with a few movies that I've still yet to see, um, and I recently watched another round the the Danish movie from Thomas mm-hmm. Vinterberg and uh, starring Mads Mikkelsen. Um, yeah, oh, well, yeah, it's on Hulu. So, so if you wanted to, if you want to watch it, it's it's right there. Okay. Um, I'm not somebody who drinks a whole lot, but I really enjoyed what this has to say about drinking. Um, and it's more than just a, a movie about drinking and people's relationship to alcohol. It's it's uh, like a lot about enjoying life um, and what we do to enjoy it. It's these four guys who, uh, it's these four school teachers who kind of um, agree with each other that they're going to live their life for the foreseeable future with a certain amount of blood alcohol content um, and see if it makes their life better. Um, and for a bit it does. And then as you know, it, it would probably, uh, it kind of goes downhill a bit, but I'm not going to spoil it too much. Um, yeah. Thomas Vinterberg, the director was nominated for best director at the Oscars and this was nominated for best feature film. Um, it just kind of got me zealous about life at the end. Uh, the very last scene is the best scene in the movie. Um, and the whole movie kind of builds up to it. And, up to that point, it's great, but it kind of goes over the top to really great uh, with with this perfect last scene. Um, so yeah, I completely recommend this. It's another one, obviously, a little bit of content warning. It's rated R, but yeah, it's it's still a great movie. Uh, it is one of the greatest closing movie scenes I've ever seen. It's it's just it's really good, and I um I think it's inter- I do think you said. I- I could be wrong, but I'll just to clarify, I think you said best feature film, but best international oh, feature. Best feature? Uh, yeah, I meant is, international. You may have, but just to clarify, uh, it is nominated for best international international feature. Uh, is film. it a front runner? Yeah. I think it is the front runner. I think it is the front runner um, to win that okay. award. It it is as somebody who uh, didn't drink uh, and only you know very very recently uh, has done so. Um, it is really interesting to me to investigate uh, th- people's relationship with alcohol and kind of what that is. Uh, you know, for me, it was always a dark, scary warning, right? And this movie is not a dark, scary warning. Does it have a warning mm-hmm. in there? Sure, it does. But this movie has a really interesting way to point a light at alcohol and just say this is everything that people, everything that people have a relationship with alcohol for. Um, and kind of what that looks like and what that means. And, um, man, it's, it's not a preachy movie at all. Um, it is just, it, it's just a really interesting, well done story. Um, and you, you buy into the relationships and you buy in, uh, to the people and all of that. So, um, so yeah, it's a high recommend for me, uh, as well. 
Um, yeah. So yeah, there you go. Another round. Good choice. Good choice. Well, we did it, guys. We did a podcast. Woo! Oh yeah. Yeah, we did. Congratulations uh, to one and all for accomplishing what many were saying we would never be able to accomplish, and we proved yeah. them wrong and finished People up. People got to stop betting podcast. against us. Yeah, I'm telling yeah. you. I'm telling you. We got it done. Thanks so much for joining us today. Sif Pop is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again today. Thank you, buddy. Huge thanks to producer Phil for producing the audio and video show. Thanks, Phil. And a big thank you to Drew for doing the uh, graphics for the show. Big clap. And thank you to Robert for hanging out with us as well. Robert, uh, where do you want to send people? Uh, what do you want to tell them? Sifpop.com um, and uh, at, or at underscore Rob's thoughts on Twitter. There you go. Uh, you can check it out there. Uh, much love and gratitude to our uh, members, our Sifpop members at patreon.com slash Sifpop. You make this possible. Three bucks a month is where it starts. You get access to all the bonus episodes at that level and above. Uh, as well as some other fun perks. Um, so you can check that out again at patreon.com slash Uh Lots of ways to connect with the podcast. You can leave a comment, rating, or a review uh, wherever you listen. We would appreciate that. That helps out quite a bit. Um, you can also email us, feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like it too, so let them know about it and that listening is much easier than understanding how gravity works in Hollow Earth. Uh, we will be back next week, uh, probably with Concrete Cowboy, which is another uh, Netflix movie that just came out, mm. um, and uh, win something on top of that. But we will see you then. Bye. 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 As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.